The Start On Demand. On demand. Are you thinking twice about the handshake? Fears over coronavirus have prompted people around the world to adopt new greetings. Some people have taken to doing something called the Wuhan Shake, which is a foot shake where you tap your feet together. The NBA is advising its players not to high-five fans, so we want to know what you think about the handshake. We're also going to speak to an etiquette expert. Development in the Polo Park area has cleared its first hurdle at City Hall. We'll get the response from the Winnipeg Airports Authority, who are in opposition to this development. And we'll speak to Jovan Johnson, who signed a one-day contract so he could retire a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, March 4th edition of the podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And Greg. Yes. When you go to the kids' sportsing events. Yes. Do you ever high-five the other parents? For sure. Yeah. I've had to think about it. Last, I'm a knuckle guy, though. I've been a knuckle guy. Like a fist bump? Yeah, fist bump. So I've been doing that for a long, long time. Jackie's a high-fiver. And so when we do a celebration... Typically, Jackie has the open hand, and I punch her open hand. And But then if she says it was something of hers, it's like, come on, that was mine, then I high-five her. Okay. And then if it's mine, I say, come on, that was mine, and then we fist bump. So uh, I'm a fist bump guy. At the Jets game last night, fist bumping was very popular, but lots of people high-fiving too. Yeah, so I'm just wondering, is that something you would consider now? Not until you just mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, McNabb? Well, lately I've gotten into this really bad habit at games. I get excited when the kids are playing. And if they almost score, if they do score, I, I slap the person on the shoulder next to me too hard, I've been told. Like, oh, kind of more like a like a shoulder punch. <laughs> and I get really, or I'll grab them and shake them like, ah, yes. And so the woman next to me, a friend of mine, said the other day, I'm really glad I had my padded coat on today. And I was like, I'm sorry. It just, I get excited. So, yes, but we definitely high-five, and the kids for sure all high-five at schools and, and events that they get excited about and that kind of thing. So, I don't know, that it happens. Like It's not just the, the high-five. I mean, all day long, you're shaking hands or touching the same thing someone else touched. And I never thought, until we brought this up yesterday, I never thought about the amount of personal contact we have. And then now with this virus spreading... Like, am I going to change it? Yeah, I mean, and then you sent a story today from Global News. We were just kind of kicking around the idea. Yesterday, should we have a discussion at 6.45, or group chat about the handshake and the, the changing potential change to etiquette, and then Global posts a story about the end of the handshake. We saw a video of uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel saying, no, mm-hmm. no thanks to a handshake, and the NBA has advised it's players, not to high-five fans. So at 6.45, we're going to have that conversation. And that's actually our question of the day at cjob.com. Are you thinking twice about the handshake? Question of the day, by the way, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. We've also put that poll up on Twitter. We've got a variation of the poll on Instagram, and we'll put one up on Facebook, too. So far, 67% say yes, no more handshakes for me, mm. and 33% say 
say, no, I like a good handshake. And McNabb, you tweeted about this yesterday saying kind of the same thing. You like a good handshake. Well, it's something like when we were growing up, my dad, it was an instruction. He's taught us, you know, make firm handshake, look them in the eye. It was a really important thing in terms of just the etiquette of being polite. Someone sticks out their hand to you. First of all, you don't want that limp handshake, the wet fish. I guess all fish are wet, but you know what I mean. The, the limp, the limp handshake. Yeah. Wet and fish, so- that's what I call it too. The bad <laughs> handshake. I know, but it's sort absolutely, of redundant. Especially if you have sweaty hands. Then it's, and, and yeah. you don't grip, then it's for sure a wet fish. <laughs> it just right. slides it, right out. It slides, it's gross. So you have, the, you have that whole thing about a good handshake. And then if you watch that video and I retweeted it yesterday uh, McNabb on Global on Twitter and Angela Merkel who's the Chancellor of Germany walks in and I can't really tell if she doesn't want to shake the hand or the guy next oh, to her saying Oh that's right it was the guy. I, yeah but either way Brett like the idea is so there's also an etiquette to this you know so we're going to chat with uh, Kelly and Jeff Braun and Forchi at 645 but then we've got questions to a woman who is a self-proclaimed civility expert and you know like what do you do I walk in and say sorry I'm not shaking hands anymore or just do the fist bump instead, or I, I don't know, it's fist bump in a work setting doesn't, I just don't know about that. And we're also seeing now people around the world have taken to the foot shake. I believe I saw one, I Come saw on. it was dubbed the Wuhan shake, and where there, there's a video, there was a video that was circulating in recent days uh, where a guy offers a handshake and he says no, he's wearing a mask and he says no, and then he sticks his foot out and they, they kind of tap each other's feet. And I, there's video in Iran where they're doing it as well. So the foot shake is now being, uh, it's becoming sort of a very fast-growing greeting. And I don't know, is that the future of hand, of physical greetings? I was going to say hand-to-hand greetings, but it's not a hand-to-hand greeting. It's a foot greeting. I'm slumping in my chair with the thought that that's going to become the norm. It can't be, really. I mean, uh, what, 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 what's the net, that saying about uh, boots and... And um, <laughs> kind of, uh, what, what do you say, McNabb? You're a country uh, person. You grew up in uh, in Knocking the country. That's the about? one. That's <laughs> the one. I didn't want to say it. I wanted to coax you into saying it. <laughs> Knock, it has to... different connotations, knocking boots. That's what I'm, I'm trying to say. I'm okay with this if this foot... Um... This foot shake turns into like a dance routine, like a choreograph, like where you like touch feet and then you kind of do like a twirl together. Like if this is going to turn into an exciting ritual, I'm all in. I think actually when I was Googling this, there is, oh, okay, pardon me, this is an old result, foot shake dance challenge compilation. This is from two years ago, but but essentially that's the greeting now that was circulating. If you just Google foot shake uh, or Wuhan shake, you'll find, uh, you'll see the video that we're talking about here. One of our listeners just texted in, and I like this as well. I've always found uh, a great appreciation for for the Japanese bow. Hmm. Maybe we just go to bowing mm-hmm. versus. You guys should start bowing to the me. The Wuhan. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Get out of here, McNabb. Take it one <laughs> step further, don't you? Bowing to me. <laughs> Come on, you know I'm kidding. Bow I just got great, to your queen. I, I got great pleasure of the idea of Greg walking in the room, good morning, Loren, and then a quick bow, and then I wouldn't do it back, and then it's extra insulting. How about a curtsy? Oh. <laughs> a curtsy, no. would that work? Wasn't it uh, just on Curb Your Enthusiasm when uh, Larry was at the Japanese restaurant and he didn't think he got a satisfactory bow <laughs> from the manager? I don't think that was a very good bow. I'm challenging the quality of that bow. Congratulations to Derek 
Pollock, who has won the Winnipeg Ice ticket vouchers for any game at Wayne Fleming Arena, he knew the foot shake that people are using as a replacement greeting for the handshake is dubbed the Wuhan Shake, because it appears to have started in Wuhan in China. So congratulations to you, Derek, and we asked that question because we're asking that question throughout the morning at CJOB.com, on Facebook, Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, are you thinking twice about the handshake? I think a lot of people are doing that. Was it Motley Crue, Forche, that had the rattlesnake shake? Rattlesnake shake. <laughs> shake, shake, shake. That's something oh. else, though. <laughs> Do not describe what that is. <laughs> is it like knocking boots? Yeah, it's getting there. I suspect it's in the, in the same. So the Wuhan shake giving knocking boots a little bit of a different run here. Yeah. Um, this was the quote of the day for me in terms of the hand washing. We've heard so often that this is the key to staying healthy with the flu and this coronavirus. Uh, this was from uh, British Columbia, the health, uh, the head of the health uh, officials here saying, listen to this, wash your hands like you've been chopping jalapenos and you need to change your contacts. If that doesn't paint a picture of what we should be doing in terms of hand washing, I don't know what will. But the handshake, are you going to start backing off from that, Kelly? Namaste. Oh, you like the bow as well. Yeah. I like the idea of the bow. I like I like doing a little hat tip, but I don't wear hats, so <laughs> I can't really talk. Can you salute? Yeah, that's a good one. One so, of our yeah. listeners said yeah. a little bit of a salute. I don't know if that's disrespectful to what about the people Winnipeg in the mil- wave? military. The Winnipeg yeah. wave. Oh, the, which, which one? The open hand or yeah, the one no. where you turn around with the one finger salute? That's kind of like the rattlesnake shake. So uh, okay. uh, we'll just go with the open hand. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, and see, the problem with the handshake, I like the handshake, but more, I would say one out of every two handshakes that I encounter is a bad one, whether where either mm-hmm. the, the other person sort of closes their hand too quickly, so you end up shaking their fingers, <laughs> or they don't, you know, or, or I don't deliver the handshake properly, you and then you feel in that, stupid. That web-to-web you know, web situation, you got to get in the right? pocket, exactly, yeah, right. yeah, dig in. You know, and I don't want to be a name dropper here, but... You know who the best handshaker I have ever come across is? Please tell us. Mark Chipman. Oh. Yeah, I'll tell you what. When you I, shake, was, I was expecting a better name, Kelly. Sorry. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say Wayne Gretzky or something. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. No, but when you when you shake hands with Mark, I'll tell you, like, it's a handshake. You know, he just, he, and it's just like you described. He digs in there web to web, and, and yeah, it's, it's a gooder. He's closed a lot of deals. He's good. I guess, yeah, he's, yeah. I'm terrible at it. I hate shaking hands because it always hurts. Yeah. The other guy just cr- crushes my. I've got soft little baby hands. Oh, I get complimented in other arenas, but not in handshaking. And so, if we just wanted to start nodding at each other, that would be awesome. Kelly and I tried the Wuhan yeah, yeah. shake out in the newsroom there, and Kelly almost fell over. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not supposed to kick him in the knee. I did. He tried to him. trip me. I yeah. tapped him, and he crumpled yeah. like a. I, my but- feet. My feet are like bronze hands. <laughs> Do you not think it's bizarre that this is what's prompting this conversation? Or maybe this came up with all other viruses and I'm just not remembering it. I do know with SARS, they talked about limiting handshakes and like, you know, especially in, in churches where there's often handshakes or they give out communion and that kind of thing. But there are other, like there are grosser ways for things to spread. I remember talking about the Norwalk virus. And as soon as I learned that it's spread by <laughs> feces on people's hands, <clears throat> I was like, why are we still shaking hands? And yet yeah. I continue to do it. So I, I feel like we're grossed out, you know, every five years, and then we return to this. 
Yeah, and we, like we had someone text us uh, saying, with a, text us a picture saying, stop the fear-mongering, and it's Wuhan coronavirus compared to other major mm-hmm. viruses, and it uh, show, gives examples of you know Marburg, Ebola, H5N1 bird flu, H1N1, and it shows the, the death count, uh, for example, for H1N1 in 2009 was 284,000, whereas, uh, at least according to this, uh, 170 deaths when this particular graph was recorded for uh, Wuhan. But uh, it, this is, I think, what's what's caused so much concern is how quickly this has popped yeah. up all over the world, and yeah. we don't know what how how much this is going to expand. Yeah, no question about it. And I think we're just trying to be cautious, and we're trying to do whatever. Like it's the control the co- controllables conversation, exactly, whether yeah. it's uh, or finances or sports. Right, yeah. exactly. It's frightening how many people don't wash their hands after they go oh, it's so to the washroom. Yes. <laughs> when you're that to me when is the bigger part of the conversation. Game, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to tell you this, this, share this story here. My Are wife you going to name drop again? No, no. Someone that doesn't wash their hands after a bathroom. This was just a couple of weeks ago. We were sitting in our favorite little uh, watering hole in La Panita, Mexico. And so the washroom was right beside the table that we were sitting at. Great. So my wife and I were, okay, is he going to wash his hands? <laughs> yes or no. She beat me about six to two on it. But it was amazing. How many people came out of that area? And the, and the sink was outside of the bathroom, so mm-hmm. you could tell who was washing their hands and who wasn't. Uh, um, back to their table. The comedian oh, George yeah. Carlin had a great bit about it. You can't repeat it on the air, I don't think. But the gist of it was that he's like, we should be washing our hands before we go to the bathroom, yes. not afterwards we go to the bathroom. I <laughs> often wash before and afterwards. You know what the problem that this bothers me most about, Loren? I know a couple of people, one person in particular was just talking to him about it over the weekend, that at their company that they do... Uh, large forum interview with six, seven, eight people. And that's how they judge people. That's one of the criteria to get the job is that you have a good, a solid handshake. And I've been trying to teach my kids Mm -hmm. that, you know, you have to present yourself in a solid fashion with the handshake. Like this is going to rule out one of the ways that we prejudge people. Oh, I I had said my dad taught us this at a really young age. And like you said, you work to teach your kids it because it's a sign of respect. What if we just all start walking around, no matter what virus this is, with like sanitizer bottles attached to our body. And then as soon as you touch someone, you just immediately sanitize. Is that offensive? Like I shake your hand and then I go to wash my hands because I'm pretty sure you're covered in fecal matter. Well, cast your vote at cgop.com. In the question of the day, are you thinking twice about the handshake? Question of the day brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca. Call two. 204-987-6890. Coming up at 737, we will speak to an etiquette expert on the changing face of hand-to-hand greetings around the world. The headline at CJOB.com as we switch gears. Battle over Polo Park development clears first hurdle at Winnipeg City Hall. Brittany's Greenslade has more. After three years of looking to move forward with an ambitious plan to revamp Polo Park, Shindico Development and Cadillac Fairview are getting to take an important first step. This is great news. Winnipeg's showing leadership, uh, allowing economic development and saying yes to investment in Winnipeg. Uh, Couldn't be happier. The two developers presented in front of a packed committee hearing Tuesday night looking for an amendment to the area's bylaw so they can move forward with plans to revamp the 80-acre parcel of land around Polo Park. 
After more than three hours, the committee says the amendment will move forward. Exciting now that the city is actually showing urgency and, and rejecting the notion that we need to wait and that investment is going to wait for us and that we actually have to be proactive and show leadership. It's, it's great news. The Winnipeg Airport Authority presented in opposition, looking to maintain restrictions that limit development around the airport and limit noise complaints and maintain 24-7 operations. It says moving forward without a cohesive plan is surprising. When you have a group of experts, including the civil service, suggesting to council that they need to think this through a little better, uh, for them to jump and do this in this way, I'm, I'm surprised by that. The WAA is pushing for a review of the bylaw and says that should come before amendments. The plan should be put in place first and then look at these amendments, look at these proposals based on a plan. It now goes to the city's Property Planning and Development Committee. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. So what's next for this development? Well, Tyler McAfee is with the Winnipeg Airport Authority, and he joins us now. Good morning, Tyler. Tyler, are you there? Yes. Very good. Good morning, good morning. to you, sir. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> just a f- no worries. We just got a few audio problems there, but we want to get into the idea. Okay, so you're saying that it needs to have more talk and consult- consultation. Haven't we talked about this subject enough? Can we not at least move forward to the next committee where maybe further consultations could take place? Well, I, I guess I would ask the question, do we know that we're making the right decision? And do we know that we're making the right decision based on what? We, we have a plan before us right now that has been adopted by all parties, and that's the current vicinity protection area. So in this discussion, there's been this, this push to say that the plan isn't accurate anymore. And, and what the airport has said, okay, okay uh, we think it still is, but we're willing to have a conversation and, and to review that and update it. But to make a decision to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to build development here, and then let's build a plan afterwards and see if we were right. And that's what that's what the frustration is here. Now, Tyler, why is there so much consternation over potential noise complaints? Like if I move into an apartment that is near Polo Park, that is near the airport, I know what I'm getting into. So I kind of feel like if I file I want to file a noise complaint, it's my own fault. So I think it's great to say that, but I think what we've seen consistently, even in Winnipeg, is that we build subdivisions next to the garbage dump, and then people are upset about the smell that comes with that, or they build next to a train track, and then they're upset about the sound. I mean, there was a story a few months ago about uh, homeowners who were frustrated about the rail line. So people move into these areas with an expectation for a quality of life, and then they're impeded by that by noise from aircraft. And when you look at what's happening around the world, I mean, communities are really taking a hard look at this and saying, how do we develop so that we see this? And, and this is the challenge we have. It is, it's an interesting thing where uh, technology is making airplanes quieter, yet the number of noise complaints globally are going up. So there's something more to this, and that's what needs to be recognized in all of this. And that's why we're suggesting let's actually come up with a plan, and then we can make all of these decisions. So we can still have development, and we can actually probably in the end have more development but we need to have a plan to do that. So, Tyler, help me understand this idea, and it piggybacks somewhat on, on what Brett had to say. And this notion, I think there are at least three hotels right on campus at the Winnipeg airport, just right across the street from the terminal. There's been at least a dozen or more hotels built in this neighborhood around Polo Park in the last five or six years. There are several high-rise apartment buildings on either side of Polo Park. Why this piece of property be prohibited from development? So they're not talking about building a hotel. 
a hotel would be allowed in that area. What they're talking about is residential. So these are, these are people who are going to stay there more than one or two nights. Uh, the people who come to the hotel at, at the airport, they're typically staying a night. They're catching a flight or they're in town for business for a day. So that's a very different comparison. The other buildings that are in place were all built prior to this. So if we were to have a blank canvas today, I think we would relocate those spaces to different places. So what's next? And is this something you can actually appeal as you understand it? Because it goes from the Assiniboia Committee to property and planning, and then it will go on to City Hall. So there's a few stages left yet. Do you appeal it at this point? Uh, so fortunately, there is uh, the opportunity for sober second thought by council. So this will go forward to the Standing Policy Committee, EPC, and then to the whole of council to vote on this. So uh, there are still other steps in this. But uh, like I said earlier, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that on a very technical issue like this, the, the three councillors last night would uh, go against the recommendations of the airport, their own civil service, uh, and other developers who were there who spoke saying that a plan is the right approach. All right, Tyler McAfee from the Winnipeg Airports Authority joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for the time, sir. Very much appreciated. All right, thank you. Question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question is, political leaders are pausing on the handshake. The NBA has advised its players not to high-five fans. Are you thinking twice about the handshake? And so far, this is a a mixed bag. We've got 43% who say, I'm open to alternatives. 36% say, yes, no more handshakes for me. And 21% say, no, I like a good handshake. So Mm. cast your vote at cjob.com. We've also got variations of that poll up on Twitter at 680cjob, on Instagram at 680cjob, and, of course, on our 680cjob Facebook page. Well, the handshake, the high-five. You mentioned those, the cheek kiss for many people around the world. They're all being reconsidered amid rising concern about the spread of the novel coronavirus that causes COVID-19. As you mentioned, Brett, the NBA is saying like no interaction with the fans, no high fives. And um, so what are some of the alternative ways to say hello? And how do you keep people from being offended when you choose not to shake their hand. Jessica LaRosso is a Winnipeg entrepreneur who works with business on how to be civil on civility training. Basically, she knows the etiquette in a situation like this and joins us now. Good morning, Jessica. Hello. How are you? Doing really well. <laughs> and clearly there are customs in different cultures about how yeah. we are to interact with one another when we first meet folks. And in our in Canada and the United States, for a lot of us, it's a handshake. Yes. How do you decline? How do you politely decline the handshake if you've decided it's not for you? Exactly. And and there's many reasons just not being uh, sick or being in the situation that we're, we're in. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, in North America that decline a handshake for um, health reasons, such as having arthritis in your hands and it's too painful to, to shake hands or you're sick and you don't want to pass that on or uh, culturally you might not want to touch somebody else. So uh, there's many ways of showing that. I think the important, and I'll get to that, but 
the important thing is is that you really acknowledge the other person that they're that you validate them and you greet them the best you can so you you don't have to touch other people and and that's the real thing with the virus that we're having now it's it's um as i went on the cdc last night and and the disclaimer is i'm not a doctor so make sure you find the facts for yourself but it's through contact so people are really nervous about uh touching things but the real issue is touching things and then touching your face is is the the issue so when uh, people are stopping people from high-fiving or the the kiss on the cheek. Uh, that's a real concern for people. So uh, this morning, Lauren sent me a video of uh, the German Chancellor Merkel uh, came in with her assistant to, to greet someone at a business meeting. He didn't prefer to shake hands for any reason. It could be that he's sick. It could be whatever. But if you watch their body language, uh, he just said no, and she stood back no. The assistant crossed her hands onto her chest and bowed to show acknowledgement. And Merkel came back with her hands open and showing to say, I validate you. I'm greeting you, the smile and the eye contact, and you're a value. So I think you know, we we can choose what we're going to choose. And culturally, we don't kiss hands anymore. Yeah, years, 100, 200 years ago, that used to happen. But things change. And it could be we might we might be bowing like the Japanese. So are, do you so do you really or believe that we could be watching sort of the, the beginning of a cultural shift towards just eliminating the handshake as the preferred greeting? I'm going to, you know, if if the flu gets more, if it, it actually, so just like SARS, we had an up and then we had a down, like it, it happened and now it's forgotten. Um, and then handshakes continued after that. So can I say that it might change? I think that if people, you know, really hold on to this, don't touch um, no contact, then yes, it will. But if if the coronavirus, uh, you know, extends and then and then finishes, um, and I guess has a has a downward turn, I think we're going to go back to handshakes because, you know, handshakes are really really important. That whole touch uh, to understand the other person. We touch other people when we handshake. Dopamine, serotonin, other chemicals are released. We also want to get a feel. We want to understand the, the other person's competency. We, we develop or decide on trust when we handshake or touch the other person. So I really think that handshakes are not going to go away. But if we still have a, a very large concern about um, viruses and sickness and contacting um, other things from other people, we're going to make a change eventually. But I think that's going to take time. So with this in mind, then say this is just temporary, and even if it's not, is the best suggestion to go in the same way you might now, you know, in, in the whole era of being acknowledgement of some people don't like to be touched for all sorts of reasons, you might say, may I yeah. give you a hug? Or may I give you a handshake? Should we be saying that first? Or sh- should we just stick out our hand if we still want to continue and wait for that person to, to say refuse it? Or just acknowledge, hey, I'd like to shake your hand. May I shake your hand? And is that the way to start the conversation? So uh, you're going to have to use your social intelligence on this one uh, to start because we don't really have a protocol 
right now. People don't know what to do, so they're a bit confused. So you can always put out your hand. Um, but the CDC says, because I went on their website last night, and I, I suggest everybody go on the CDC just to, to put themselves at ease, because just like a few minutes ago you talked about nobody's going to Chinatown, but I'm, I'm sorry, you can go uh, to a mall and have the same effect as Chinatown, but it's just that stigma of it. But making sure that you're, um, you know, washing your hands, uh, before and after and and bringing sanit- hand sanitizer with you and sharing that with other people is something important. But my suggestion is, is that you put out your hand. If the other person is uncomfortable uh, for any reason, they won't shake your hand. And all you have to do is put your hand back, but really make sure that you acknowledge the person with a smile, eye contact, open hand gesture or maybe even like the lady did a slight bow to say you're still valuable and I'm acknowledging you because if you don't acknowledge that person then that contact or that um, benefit of that relationship moving forward diminishes and that's the important thing there. Jessica we have to get out in just about a minute or so but before we let you go I just wanted to ask you because sometimes we meet people right here in our studio when we finish our interview, they will get up and we'll extend their hand for a handshake and they'll say, oh no, I'm a hugger. And then they'll just go in for the hug. And I'm fine with that. But some there are some people in this building I know who would be absolutely mortified by that. So how do you politely decline that when someone is forceful with getting a hug? Oh, well then, you know, that you have to just say, I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable. Can we shake hands? Like you have to just be really strong in doing that. And plus two, there's, you know, the trick of the elbows, putting your elbows out and stuff like that. But people have to treat people uh, not that they not the way that they want to be treated, but the way the other person wants to be treated. And that's the platinum rule when it comes to credibility and civility. And uh, I would just say, oh, no, I don't feel I don't you know, I'm not comfortable hugging. Can we shake hands? And you just have to be upfront. Is that the modification of the golden rule then? Treat others yeah. as they want to be treated, not do unto others as you'd have done unto you. <laughs> yes. Well, see here, we have in Canada over 250 um, uh, different languages, over 50 different cultures, and, it, and we welcome newcomers to Canada. And th- there are so many misunderstandings because, the, because of the cultural cues, um, and we have to be open to that. So really uh, treat others the way they want to be treated, and you'll have a better relationship. Jessica, thank you so much for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Oh, we appreciate you. You take care. Je- Bye, everybody. Well, we want to start this half hour, Loren McNabb, with the headline at CJOB.com. Winnipeg police say feud between gangs led to citizen nightclub killing, retaliation, homicide. Those shootings, fatal shootings happened in November, but it was just yesterday that Winnipeg police shared they believed those murders were the result of a feud between gangs. With that second shooting in the south end of Winnipeg on Timsail Drive, I believe it was, in retaliation for the first. And they also shared with us yesterday that some of that violence that we continue to see in this city is a result of those two gangs continuing that fighting. And we know 
Police have previously told 680 CGOB that there are 25 to 30 different gangs in the city with as many as 4,000 people involved, 1,500 members, and 2,500 associates. We also know police have said newcomers to our city can be particularly vulnerable. Our next guest has spent more than 30 years as an outreach worker, not only trying to prevent Winnipeggers from joining gangs, but helping them to leave gangs. Mitch Bourbonera is in studio with us this morning. Good morning, Mitch. Great to see you. Good morning. Great to be here. Well, thanks for what you do, first and foremost. How does the gang situation today compare with just a few years ago? Few years ago excuse me. Actually, it's not a lot different. Uh, Winnipeg's got a long history of gang activity going right back to the late 1960s, actually, with, with the emergence of biker gangs. And then in 1988, the emergence of uh, street and youth gangs. Uh, so sometimes we hear more about it than other times, but it's been pretty pretty steady. We've heard about more guns on the streets of Winnipeg and police being involved in, in more seizures of weapons, encountering more weapons when they pull over vehicles or when they are investigating other crimes. It often leads to weapon seizures. Are there more guns on the streets and are gangs uh, more willing to use them right now, Mitch? I would agree with that. Uh, over the years, uh, I've seen an escalation in, in the seriousness of the weapons and uh so I would concur with that for sure. So we know that intervention is key, and, and we're going to talk a bit about also your work with helping people get out of gangs. But before that even happens, do we have enough programs in place to help with this? If, if I'm a parent who's genuinely concerned about this and my kid may be taking the wrong path, who do I call for help in this circumstance? Well, several years ago, uh, lots of us in different organizations, uh, youth-based organizations and community-based organizations came together uh, to form a network uh, called a Gang Action Interagency Network, and uh, that could be, uh, you know, found on the internet. And uh, there is a dedicated office now, and uh, some workers that uh, can field calls from parents and uh, provide resources and information and support. Now, in terms of getting kids or getting young people out of gangs, I mean that that's great, but isn't it? Uh a threat to their safety in many cases to try to leave a gang? Yes, there's uh, many different scenarios uh, depending on the gang, depending on the rank of the person that is uh, contemplating leaving, uh, depending on if there's other extraneous factors in terms of debt, in terms of uh, their value to the gang. Uh, in general, gangs don't want to let people go. Uh, it sets a precedent. Uh, those folks know too much and they need workers. So uh, it's uh, definitely uh, difficult to leave a gang, but not impossible. So if the prevention doesn't work and we find more people in gangs, Mitch, uh, what attracts someone to want to be a part of this lifestyle? I, I can't imagine that this is a lifelong goal for a lot of people to be involved in this way of life. No, in fact, I think uh, sometimes you kind of... Uh, find yourself on a slippery slope and, you know, you meet the wrong people. Uh, you may be vulnerable in some way, whether it's poverty, whether it's loneliness. Uh, and, you know, suddenly you're in way deeper than you thought and you're having trouble getting out. And I think that's most often the, the case. Are they loneliness looking for me? Is... Are they looking for me? 
For who? For me, if I'm vulnerable, and can can gang members and those that are, are uh, good at recruiting gang members, do they know how to spot vulnerable people, people who are a good mark to to join a gang? Yeah, I would say so. And uh, there's no shortage of vulnerable people in our city, so it, they don't have to look too far. Well, you mentioned, I want to piggyback on what Greg says, the idea of loneliness, and they're looking, they know who to target, and we know sometimes that can be uh, newcomers to our city, people who are just not necessarily even from another country, but have moved in from another community, uh, Mitch. Yes. And if that's the if that's part of the problem, and they do get involved with the gang, what's replacing that? How are you encouraging them to leave that gang situation without that new group to hang out with, that, that new sense of security? If, if part of it is about friendship or camaraderie, what's the replacement? factor when they say I'm ready to walk away from this game well that's uh, that's an excellent question because you can't you know give something up or leave something without a replacement so we work with individuals and we get all kinds of people coming to us uh, we get self-referral we get family members bringing us people uh, people will talk amongst each other on the street in prison and they seem to find us so I'm with OPK Ogijita Pimatsu and Kinematwin and uh, on a case-by-case basis, we sit down with people and we find out their situation. We um, find out what, you know, are the best strategies for that particular situation. But ultimately, to answer your question, uh, there are good gangs in the city. There uh, are all kinds of volunteerism that are really important and feel kind of like, you know, a community, a family, you know, where you have Mama Bear Clan, Bear Clan, Drag the Red, Meet Me at the Bell Tower. Uh, there's Red Rising. There's just all, you know, there's positive activism out there. There's volunteerism. There's ceremony, uh, sports, music, art, dance, whatever. Like get, we got to get kids in, and mentorship is so important as well. Every, every young person needs that, that one person to lean on. Sense of belonging is always something I've I've uh, imagined to be a draw for gangs, but also just this whole this whole sense uh, of being almost addicted to being in a gang. How similar is being in a gang and an addiction, either to drugs or alcohol? Well, that's a very good uh, association. So, uh, trying to leave a gang is like two things. It's like trying to break an addiction, but it's also like trying to leave an abusive relationship. A lot of those relationships are based on power and abuse and uh, manipulation, uh, and not knowing what what you're going towards. So, yeah, absolutely, uh, both addiction and abusive relationships is is something that we can learn from. Mitch Borbonair is an outreach worker in gang intervention. He's been doing it for many years and works on gang exit strategy. Mitch, thank you so much for taking the time to come see us today. We appreciate it, sir. Tackling McGarry and McNabb. Phone lines are open now at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win two tickets to see Herb Alpert and Lonnie Hall at the Burton Cummings Theatre Tuesday, April 14th. Call us now, 204-780-6868, and we'll go to the phones in a moment. But I want to read a text on the conversation on handshakes that we've been having throughout this morning. It is the subject of our question of the day at cjob.com. Are you thinking twice about the handshake? We invite you to cast a vote at cjob.com. We've also put a variation of the poll on our 680 CJOB Instagram. If you don't follow us there, please do. On Twitter at 680 CJOB and on our Facebook page. And this listener says, here's my reply to the handshake thing. Since I am a Muslim female, this situation arises all the time with the opposite gender. All I do is say, 
I join my hands in the namaste position instead of saying hello while saying no offense. As per my religion, I just don't do handshakes with the opposite gender. I hope this helps. Now with the virus, I guess I have to do the same thing with other females as well. That from Ayana from Steinbeck. So thank you for that insight. I love the idea of maybe even just going to that, either the namaste pose yeah, and maybe a little bow or something like that. I'm a hugger. Yeah, uh, have been forever, but I could see going to this full time. What do you think, McNabb? Well, I think it, the idea is more just that we have to be open to it. So to not, I, th- I think there's gonna be some people who automatically just stick out the hand and not thinking about all the cultural differences. And considering how multicultural our, our community is, there have to be several groups who who don't do the handshake. So to maybe just be thinking about that, the Namaste seems like a nice peaceful way to start lots of things. And you know? as, and then you mentioned multicultural. I think a lot of people are even adopting the Wakanda forever, the Black Panther, the the X sort of. <laughs> crossing the chest the double yeah. pound on the chest i haven't yeah. encountered that but I, I i'd be down with that also yeah i saw that pop up in one of the headlines i'd be totally fine with that one that's a cool greeting so uh, keep that feedback coming at 204-780-6868 but now we go to the phones at 204-780-6868 and i mentioned that this one uh, is for the parents so greg and loren i'm curious to know if you're going to be able to figure this one out parents say this phrase to their kids on average, about 540 times Ooh. during the school year. What is it? So, we'll start with Lorraine at 204-780-6868. Hi, Lorraine. Hi. Do you have a guess? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? Parents, parents say this phrase to their kids, on average, phrase. about... Oh. F- <laughs> do you, can I... Do you want me to carry on okay, with the question? Yeah. Parents yeah, say this it. phrase to their... Lorraine, can I finish? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Parents say this phrase to their kids on average about 540 times during the school year. What is it? I love you. No. Good guess. Aww. But I would imagine it's more, I, hopefully it's more than 540 times. That's, that's like, okay. okay. But hey, good guess, Lorraine. Thank you. Nice R- notion. Yeah. Well, it's like more, that's once a day, right? Just, once, just once, a day. once a day. Yeah. Uh-huh. If it's 500 and some times, that's, a, that's, that's like a couple one and a half times a day. Ron, what's don't your share guess? your lunch. Don't share your lunch. <laughs> no, no, don't. Oh, I won't. I don't want to steal the answer. No, that's not it. But uh, hey, thanks for guessing, Ron. What did you What did you have in your lunch? Oh, hey, Ron's gone. Uh, Ron sounds like he uh, got the same thing for lunch every day. <laughs> hey, Mike, do you know the answer? Uh, what's uh, what's the question again? The question is: Parents say this phrase to their kids on average about 540 times during the school year. What is it? Don't forget to wash your hands. No, but very timely right now. That's not oh. the answer, but that's a great guess, and hopefully that is a message parents are giving. So, Mike, thank you for that. Let's try Dan. Dan, do you know the answer? I hope so. Get up. Get up. That's uh, that's something my dad had to say to me uh, multiple, probably like ten times a day. So yeah. that well, would that have would exceeded three hundred and sixty-five thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good guess, Dan. That's a great one. I love that. That's so many memories, uh, f- funny memories for me. Probably annoying memories for my dad. Laird, hello there, Laird. Hey, hello. Do you know the answer? Uh, listen to your teacher. Listen to your teacher. Sound, if not sage, advice. It's a great guess, but that's not the answer. Oh, well. Thanks. Hey, thank you, Laird. Appreciate it. Keep trying. Jackie. 
Yes. Parents say this phrase to their kids on average about 540 times during the school year. What is it? Hurry up. Hurry up. Yes. That's it? That's it. Wow. (laughs) I would have thought that would have been way more often than that, but I guess that's a good average. McNabb? Yes. Oh, I I think it's more. (laughs) Yeah, I say it a ton, a ton for sure. Or you have different ways of saying it. Like, yes, no, you already heard mom. Mom already said it. You need to get your coat on. Get your coat on. Get your coat on. Hurry up. Hurry up. It's a... a, you don't even know you're doing it half the time. Yeah, and there's other language exactly. or solilo- like uh, synonyms for that. Uh, we've got to get going. We don't want to mm-hmm. be late. Hustle. Let's hustle now. Hustle is a good one as well. <laughs> yeah, get those hustle. feet moving. Well, maybe it's maybe it's it, maybe it's because hurry up. It would seem to me that that's just when you're exasperated, like hurry up, kind of thing. Oh, no? exasperation yeah. for sure. And how about uh, uh, hurry hard? Maybe you got curlers <laughs> in the house. <laughs> Jackie, how many kids you got? Um, I have four. Oh, so you probably have to say it a lot. <laughs> oh, that's like... Yes, and they all go to different times at school. So it's like, let's go, let's go, hurry up, hurry up. Oh, my word. <laughs> well, hey, Jackie, thanks for playing. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm going to put you on hold. Jeff Forte is going to get your details off the air. Jackie, going to see Herb Alpert and Lonnie Hall, Burton Cummings Theatre, Tuesday, April 14th. Reminder that Cam in for Hal Anderson Afternoons has a $20 gift certificate to Santa Lucia Pizza and two tickets to see the Winnipeg Ice versus the Brandon Wheat Kings, March 20th. And the news with Richard Cloutier, Julie Buckingham, two tickets to see the Ice versus the Pats on March 14th. And then two passes to the Guinness Book of World Records largest snow maze at Amazing Corn in St. Adolph. What do you got there, Greg? Um, my answer was, have you finished your homework? Have you finished your homework? Yes. That's that a would good be one. accurate in my house. Loren, did you write down a a guess? Well, I thought, did you forget this and just fill in the blank or don't forget this oh. is a good one. Oh, yeah. And the hurry up, though, gets said a ton. I like and, and also, this is not helpful to anyone. What are you doing? Because... <laughs> They're not doing what you asked them to do. What are you doing? Did you not just hear me say 12 times, put on your shoes? What are you doing? Why are you in your bedroom playing with your Beyblades? I literally just said 12 times, get your coat on. What are you doing? Kids. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. You know, as long as you're, you should wear a heart monitor while you're getting kids ready in the morning and see what happens. I always said, once I drop the kids off at school or the bus or daycare, what have you, whatever the rest of the day has for me, I am ready, man, because I just successfully got them to school with all their stuff, all their tukes, all their mitts, all their lunch kits, their homework. You know what? Can't get harder than that. What do I always say, Brett? Kids ruin everything. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah. I, mean, I know you don't mean that. Uh, uh, quite often <laughs> I do mean it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's times like this that uh, you guys uh, make me feel good about my decision to have uh, visited Dr. Snips last year. So. <laughs> snip, snip. <laughs> but right now we start with a man who has not played a down of Canadian football since 2018. He hasn't played as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber since the end of the 2013 football season. But yesterday, for one day, he was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber one more time, and then... He retired. Javon Johnson, bomber, 18-yard line. He's to the 20. He's going to try to go wide. He's out to the 25, and he's to the 30. He's to the 35, the 40, the 45, the 50. Center field to the Ticat, 49-yard line. Javon Johnson gives his offense automatic great field position. Johnson still ranks second. 
on the Bombers' all-time interception return yardage list with 500, and his six interception return touchdowns are a club record. So whether it was a big play on defense or as a kick returner, still the Bombers' all-time leader in punt return yards with 2,933. Johnson quite often gave the Blue Bombers instant field position as a defender or returner. And we're super excited to have Jovan Johnson join us now. Good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? We're good. Is it bittersweet to tell the world that your career as a professional football player is over? How's it feeling? Yeah, it feels good. I mean, I'm, I know it was time uh, being out away from the game for a year and, and, you know, doing the role that I'm doing now. It was time for me to just go ahead and move on and uh, let let the past be the past and focus now on the future. So why Winnipeg? Well, why was it such a special place, uh, Javon, for you to, to spend time here? And uh, a lot of players will tell us it's the connection with the fans. Uh, is it more than that? Uh, for me, probably, possibly, I spent a majority of my career there. I felt like uh, it was a place where I actually grew up. My football career grew up, um, you know, spending a number of years meeting the, the people that I was able to, to meet, uh, the fans, you know, the fans are outstanding, one of the best in the league, hands down. Um, and, and then the connections that you meet with and you get to, to live on uh, after football, you know, with all the, the friendships and relationships uh, with a number of guys. So, I mean, my time there, I have so many different memories that I could share with you guys for for all day. But, um, but yeah, that's why I, I decided to choose Winnipeg. You say you've got some memories that you could share. Maybe can you give us an example of one that sort of sticks out for you? Uh, I mean, one that, that really sticks out uh, just to, to kind of identify um, with guys that are, are like-minded like myself. Um, you know, one day in 2011, uh, me and Jonathan Hefney, we had a, uh, a house out in Headingley and uh, we lived together and, uh, one evening, we decided that we wanted to throw a house party, and we invited all the fans. So uh, we had about, about 150 fans at our house partying with us, just hanging out. You know that that that's the type of of uh, relationship we had with the city of Winnipeg. How how did you go about inviting the fans? Was it a personal like you know come on over to my place, or was because you said 2011? So were you on social media advertising this? How did the invite go out, so to speak? Yeah, we, you know, we did a lot of things um, social media wise back then. Um, it was social media wasn't as big, uh, but now uh, the, the way that it is now, but uh, we, we still had a lot of connections with fans through social media. So that's where we, that's where we did a lot of our connecting with them. So what are you doing now? What are you going to do? What's going to keep Javon Johnson busy for the next decade or more? Well, for me, that was going to keep me busy is, is, game planning to uh to beat offenses you know the x and o's cat and mouse game of of offense and defensive football um you know it's just the game planning part you know keeping you up at night trying to figure out ways to stop certain things um you know being on the other side of it now you kind of get an idea of of what our coaches went through with us um trying to figure out how to how to help uh, win championships and things like that it's a lot that goes into it so uh, that's that's what my goal is for the next however many years, and uh, just continue to grow as a as a football coach now. 
There's a lot of players that say they don't ever want to get into coaching, including uh, one of your fellow members of Swaggerville, uh, Doug Brown, just just doesn't have an appetite for it at all. Why why do you have an appetite for it? I mean, I've always been a, a teacher in my own right, um, mentoring so many young players that I've played with, uh, teaching them the way, teaching them how to effectively get things done, um, helping create them into all-stars and uh, just letting them know doing all the little things right. Uh, at the end of the day, when you do all the little things right, you get the, the greatest reward of success. So, um, you know, it's not all about hanging out, partying all the time. And, uh, you know, sometimes you got to put the party in the side and, and be able to lock in and focus and study film. Uh, ultimately, when you when you do study the film, you get you you learn things about your opponent that gives you a little bit of an advantage. That when you see it happen, uh, you can start to anticipate things. You could you make a lot more plays when you actually invest time in the game, and that's why I was able to to make the plays that I made. Now you spent time after the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You were here 2008 to 2013. Then you spent some time with Ottawa, Montreal, and Saskatchewan. And have you heard from any of your former teammates in any of those spots when you when they heard that you decided to retire as a bomber? Oh yeah, I mean I've I've spoken to guys like Henry Burris, um, Nick Lewis, you know, Greg Ellingson. I could go on for days. Uh, you know, a lot of guys that I've played with, Chris Williams, guys that, that have also moved on, uh, even even G. Roy Simon and Mel Stegall, I've, I've been able to connect with them as well. Um, you know, just a lot of very good football players, uh, Hall of Fame guys that, that did things the right way. And, you know, we're in a fraternity, football is a fraternity, and, you know, you, you support your brothers when they when they decide to step away from the game. 2011, obviously the Bombers went to the Grey Cup and were on the other end of it. How closely were you following the exploits of the Blue Bombers and and let's talk, you know, what the Blue Bomber defense did for this team down the stretch? Uh, uh, almost legendary, Javon. Oh yeah, th- those guys played outstanding. Um, you know, knowing from playing against them in 2018, they kind of already had built um, a championship pedigree. The way that they they attacked it, the way they played for each other. Um, they made a couple of a couple of signings in the off season going into 2019. You know, bringing over Willie Jefferson was a huge um, a, a huge move on their behalf because uh, playing with him, I knew the impact that he could make on on opposing offenses. And uh, you know, you bring in guys like that, star caliber guys um, that can get it done, and then you you reap the benefits of that. So you know, they they had the pedigree already and it was just adding a few more pieces so I, I wasn't um, surprised by the success that they had uh, defensively or, or as a team. I'm pretty good at geography usually Javon but uh, you're the defensive coordinator defensive backs coach at Defiance College. Where is Defiance Ohio? It's about 30 minutes south of Toledo. Okay I think I got it. That's great. Hey, Javon, thanks for this. We appreciate it. Uh, And hey, maybe we'll uh, see you back in the CFL uh, in a coaching capacity at some point. Uh, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Any chance that's a goal for you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would would love to. Um, You know, I would love the opportunity to to showcase uh, not only was I a good mentor to the young guys that I played with and helped bring them along, 
but I could also teach it and and uh, and get those guys to to reach their max, maximum potential. Uh, coaching is all about challenging your players to to do the best that they can, and uh, and also being able to be a mentor off the field so that they know that you know it's bigger than just you know hanging out and kicking it all the time. Jovan Johnson joining us live on 680 CJOB. Jovan, thank you for joining us. I know you spoke with Christian O'Mell on the sports show last night, but thank you for joining us this morning. We wanted to give our listeners an opportunity to hear you in case they missed you last night. Hey, no problem. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.